In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. WATH FMs. It's a beautiful morning in their song like that, something. Anyway, yes. 75 degrees here on Columbus Road at the moment. And we're headed up to, let's see here, 90 degrees. 20 to go. Well, 25 to go. There's also the possibility of a rain shower. See if I can figure out how to find out what time that's supposed to be. Okay, I, I see it, but what time is that? Oh, 4 p.m. Okay. I never know how to use that particular mouse. <laughs> anyway, we have like. You know, computer mouses, right? Multiple mice. Not, okay. Multiple mouses. Mice, mouse, moose. <laughs> um, what do you call a, a mouse? More than one computer mouse. Meese. Meese? Yeah. Okay. We've got multiple meeses. Yeah. <laughs> computer meeses. I have several nieces. Nieces? Nieces. Meeses. Nieces. Better to have nieces than meeses. How did this get started? Well, I was asking what time the the uh, <laughs> rain might hit, and we finally figured out the mouse. <laughs> and it's 4 p.m. is when that might occur, and then uh, 5 p.m. as well. Light rain at six, that sort of thing. Anyway, good morning, folks. Welcome. Scott's uh, had a good show this morning. Thank you. Um, what was that funny one-liner that uh, somebody mailed us? Oh, that one? Let's see. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, let, go me, ahead. let me take the paper. Okay, someone just sent us this. It's a one-liner, and it's a, it's a what do you call it? Um, a zinger? A pun? A pun. Well, here we go. I believe in 12.5% of the Bible. I guess that makes me an atheist. Did I read it well enough? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. An atheist? Mm-hmm. Get it? Yeah. Uh, yep. One-eighth? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. One-eighth of 100%. You get some funny um, notices, too. Um, there's one there that I you showed me. I may not. Uh, we might do it later in the day. We'll see. Later in the hour. All right. Well, anyway, good morning, folks. Today is August fourth. How about that? How about that? What happened to July? Just breezed right through July, didn't we? Yeah. You know, it's been so hot lately. But last night we went to a, a local watering hole that has nice outdoor seating. And, um, oh, it was so pleasant. 
the breeze under the trees. Oh, that rhymes, doesn't it? Ah, uh, yes, it did. How about that? Yes, it was uh, very pleasant. Wine, wine o' Wednesday, Wednesday wine. Very pleasant at Pleasant Hill. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> you are hot this morning. Oh, I was just getting ready to ask you, Johnny Carson style, yeah. when you said it was so hot yesterday. How hot was? Yes, it? I was waiting for that. I was going to inject that one. How hot was it? even have a line for it was so hot i saw a robin dipping its worm in a big glass of iced tea <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, not bad for making it up <laughs> all right let's see here today this date of august 4th is national chocolate chip cookie day and how was it wait a minute how about that you uh you said the sponsor for uh, Coach Turf was chocolate chip cookies. Yes, and I, as Emerald would say, kicked them up a notch. Okay, National IPA Day. Now, IPA, that's some sort of beer, isn't it? It is. But what, what's, it is. What's different about it? It is known as India Pale Ale Beer. While... IPA, IPA, is one of the most popular types of craft beers. It's also making a resurgence with local microbreweries. Many are experiencing success as their brew finds its way into local restaurants and pubs. Okay, so an IPA. If if you had an IPA and a beer next to each other, do you have any idea what's different about it? Uh, n- no, except one's a craft beer and the other one is not. <laughs> well, to all the big names, we uh, apologize. Um, okay, well, anyway, um, I'm not a real beer guy, but I do love ciders. And a lot of our local places make ciders, too. All right, well, anyway, let's get on with it. Uh, it's National Coast Guard Day. You know, I... Periodically, I will mention, um, you know, something about my time in the service and how I got into the service. I was drafted initially, and then I went and talked to all the branches <coughs> and so on. And I make the mistake of forgetting the Coast Guard. I'll talk about Army, Navy, Marines. Air Force. Air Force. And, of course, there's the Coast Guard. And uh, so I apologize to my audience. Um, Anyway, National Coast Guard Day. Yeah, now we have the created uh, National Space Force to add to those as well. Is that really a, a branch of the service? I think it, it was made a branch of the service okay. within the last couple of years. Let me let me ask you to Google it a bit. Okay. Here's here's the question. Drum roll. Okay. Um, <laughs> the question is, can if you can you go and enlist 
in the National Space Guard. What was it? What? Space Force. Space Force. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, and, boy. And if you can, are you considered a veteran when you're – is it a short-term thing or a long-term thing? Uh, I think it is treated as the other branches of armed forces. So you could do a two-year stretch. Yes. The U.S. Space Force is a military service that organizes, trains, and equips space forces in order to protect U.S. and allied interests in space and to provide space capabilities to the joint force. And it goes on to, to say... Force. The, the joint force? Uh, well, it, we'll get it here in just okay. a second I'm here. Sorry. That's I'm okay. Sorry. The United States Space Force is a separate and distinct branch of the armed services organized under the Department of the Air Force. Okay. So it's a branch. It's a sub of the... Pretty sub. much, yes. All right. Well, that sort of makes sense. Yes. Where is the U.S. Space Force located? Huntsville, Alabama. Huh. The Secretary of the Air Force, on behalf of the Office of Secretary of Defense, selected Redstone Arsenal, Huntsville, Alabama, as the preferred location for the U.S. Space Command headquarters. Okay, so that, in my head, that raised a couple questions. Do are there other sub forces to the different four branches I normally mention? Um, there might be, but I'm not aware of any okay. at the moment. Well, anyway. Yeah, so we can. One question leads to another. Yeah, add those in with the you know the four uh, five major branches of the armed forces. And under that circumstance, why isn't the Coast Guard a subforce of the Navy? Yeah. Could be. I My guess is because the Navy is obviously international. The Coast Guard mainly okay. protects coastal areas okay. of the lower 48 and the Hawaiian Islands and Alaska. Oh, well. One question just leads to another. It certainly did. We could probably add more questions to that, too. Or we could do historical events. Or we could do historical events. So, let's do that. The state of August 4th, and of course this year it's 2022. But in 1558, the first printing of the Zohar... Am I saying it right? Z O, no, yes, Z. Yeah, that says Z. Z O H A R, which they put in parenthesis the Jewish Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Um. And now my question is, what is a Kabbalah? If I'm even saying it right. Kabbalah, C A B A L A. K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H. Wow. Kabbalah. K-A-B-B-A-L-A-H. Kabbalah. Is that meaning? Uh, is that a Bible? It is in the ancient Jewish tradition of mystical interpretation of the Bible, first transmitted orally and using esoteric methods, it reached the height of its influence in the later Middle Ages and remained significant in Hasidism. 
It didn't help me much. Uh, well, it's a looks like that first line there, the Jewish tradition of a mystical interpretation of the Bible. Okay. What is Kabbalah simple in simple terms? <laughs> That's what we need. A medieval and modern system of Jewish theosophy, mysticism. Wow, they're throwing some heavy words at us here. And marked by belief in creation through emanation and a cipher method of interpreting scripture. Heavy, man. Heavy. You know, my birth mother was Jewish. Yes. And um, I've always had an interest in it, even though I was raised Protestant, Presbyterian. But, uh, golly, there's so much I don't know. Okay. 1821, the next event on this date of August 4th. The Russian Antarctica or Antarctic Expedition, which was led by Fabian Gottlieb von Bellinghausen. That's a long last name. Anyway, returns to Kronstadt after becoming the first to circumnavigate Antarctica. 1942, the first train with Jews depart Mechelen, Belgium, to Auschwitz. Hmm. Not a good thing. What do we got? An EAS thing coming in? Sure sounds like it could be. Will it take charge, or do we have to do it? Uh, it will pop in if there is one. Those are just kind of like the warning tones that they're... Oh, oh that's that... Choppy one again. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> um, it's over with whatever it was. That's the end. But we don't know what it was. Um, it was too choppy. Yeah. Um, I guess do a little um, computer search there. Yeah, we'll wait and see. But there, there is a special weather statement from the National Weather Service regarding the heat and humidity again today, much like yesterday. Three days now. Yeah. And then the rain and apparently is going to stick around for a few days. If you look up the weather all the way. So the last two, two days, Wednesday. it said we had a heat warning until 8 p.m. Yep. Um, have you received such a thing today? All There is no heat warning or advisory. It's only classified as a special weather statement today. Okay. Saying the heat indexes could reach to the upper 90s okay. at some point today. And... Uh, you know, with the rain coming in. It is fair week coming up, so naturally, we get rain. It seems like every year. The fair begins Friday. I've heard that say it said many times. Yeah. When I was on the fair board years ago, it, as I recall, we didn't have any rain that week. Maybe I should get back on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Um, oh, I've got something to bring up about the fair, too. Go for it. Fairgrounds. Okay. With your expertise over there, I recall you mentioning something about grounds maintenance yeah. and grass cutting over there. Well, I was over there yesterday to pick up the passes for our DJs okay. to uh, be allowed to enter the fair to broadcast yeah. from there, right? Yeah. Yeah. On uh, Power 105, which we will be doing in the afternoons. Uh, I think in the mornings, too, some. But anyway, I was, believe it or not, checking out the grass and the length of the grass over there. And I thought, I wonder if one day Palmer would be pleased about the length of this grass. Or should it be Are you saying cut it's tall? Or mowed. Okay. It could be, yes. Well, I'm sure. And... That if, in the next day or two, they'll be doing that. They, Of course, they'll have it in good shape. Oh, I mean, it looked nice as it was, nice and green grass from all the rain yeah. and the heat. But I recall, back to my recall portion of this segment, didn't you used to mow that entire fairgrounds area? Yes. I, I think it's 39 acres. 39 acres. And, um, of course, there's a lot of buildings. But uh, you know all the all the grass areas I cut, and I had a, um, a tractor with a large finish mower behind it, and there was another tractor they owned. I used it too. It was kind of like the state uses on the highways. It had a belly mount um, mower, and was yellow, like the state tractor. Mm -hmm. Yep. Like they use on the highways and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were both diesel. And, uh, yeah, for, I'm going to say three years, I mowed it. And uh, I, I like mowing my own yard. I think we've had this discussion many times yeah. over the years on this show. Um, in, in my own yard, I've got... I've got something growing I don't like because I can mow one day and the next day I see it. It's <laughs> taller than everything else. And I think, I think it's called nut sedge. This particular strain of grass that is intermingled with all my regular yeah. grass. And um, I've been trying to figure out uh, my neighbor Grace, she has someone that sprays her whole yard two or three times a year, and it's uh, in, in the so she doesn't have any of that over there, um, and it also the spray deals with other things too, clover and um, rye grass, things like that, whatever. <clears throat> so her yard always looks just a bit nicer than mine. But anyway, this nut sedge drives me nuts. Ah, uh, you are still on a roll. Did I miss something? Say the name of that grass again. Nut sedge. Yeah, it drives you nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> um, I've got to figure out how to... That. If anybody that. has any clues out there or knows what I'm talking about, 
Call us, 592-6646. I can tell you how to treat it. Wait a minute. Is that right? Is that the right number? 592-6646. Okay. Yes. Okay. What do you mean, how to treat it? Weed eater. No, 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 no. <laughs> Those weeds don't taste very good when you eat them. Never mind. <laughs> well, anyway... I noticed the grass at the fairgrounds yesterday and thought, I bet if we could get uh, Dave and maybe get Grace to saddle up on a mower or two. Have us race again. Yeah. yeah. Well, that could be incorporated in the, the uh, events of the day. Events to watch. Yes. A grandstand mower race. We could have a pair of mutual betting. Yeah. Hey, maybe we're on to something here. I don't think so. <laughs> okay, let's see here. Back to uh, historical events. Okay. <laughs> Boy, it's just a number of things today are Jewish in nature. Uh, 1944. Remember, the last one we had was 1942, when the first train with Jews departs um, Belgium to Auschwitz. 1944 now. Anne Frank arrested in Amsterdam by German security police following a tip-off from an informer who was never identified. 1993, Rwandian Hustas Hutus, rather, and Tutsis signed peace treaty in Arusha, Tanzania. All right. Well, let's see here. Birthdays. Barack Obama. Celebrating his 61st birthday today. Somehow or other, I thought he was just a notch older than that. Meghan Markle. I'm having a brain freeze or something. She's the wife of Prince Harry. Oh, yes. Yes, very attractive. 41st birthday today. Okay, now. Were Louis Armstrong still alive? The musician, of course. Uh, he was born in 1901. On this date, died in 1971. And lastly, Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, born on this date in 1900, died in 2002. So she made it to 102, eh? It would appear that way, yes. Two famous deaths to mention. One is a very familiar name, Hans Christian Andersen. Born in 1805, died on this date in 1875. Next one. I'm not sure if I know this person. I've known someone with this name several times. But anyway, Daniel Williams. Daniel Williams was uh, born in 1858, and he died in 1931. Now, what's his thing? Daniel Williams, let's 
back it up here. I put in 1858, and that did not help me any. Born in 1858? Yes. Died in 1931. Okay. Daniel Hale Williams, American physician and founder of Provident Hospital in Chicago, credited with the first successful heart surgery. Williams graduated from the Chicago Medical College in 1883. Okay. Well, a medical degree. Yes. Dr. Daniel Williams. Good morning. It's, uh, let's see, what would that be? Um, 9.39. Yes. On the clock. And I guess we can turn our attention to some of the hard news. President Joe Biden signed an executive order yesterday directing his administration to find ways to facilitate and lower costs for those traveling out of state for abortion procedures. It is the second executive order the president has issued to protect access to abortion after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned the Roe v. Wade. The development comes one day after nearly 60% of the voters in Kansas rejected a ballot measure to remove the right to an abortion from our state from their state constitution voter turnout in the primary was higher than expected again we're talking about Kansas with more than 800,000 Kansans I've never seen that word but that's someone from Kansas Kansans voting Nearly three-quarters of the vote cast in the 28... Um, yeah, okay. Um, currently, Kansas allows abortions up until 22 weeks of pregnancy. In 2019, about 50% of the abortions in Kansas were performed on out-of-state residents. And the last uh, sentence in this story says that Kentucky and Montana are proposing similar ballot measures to restrict abortion access, while other states are looking to expand their policies. A different story altogether, scientists revive pigs organs, an experimental apparatus in a mix of medical fluids partially restored functionality in pigs' organs one hour after they had died, according to new research that was published yesterday. The results were surprising due to the speed at which post-mortem decay typically unfolds following death. Organs and tissue rapidly lose 
access to oxygen, while various chemicals and molecules initiate apoptosis, apoptosis, A-P-O-P-T-O-S-I-S, um, apoptosis, I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but uh, what does it mean? Apoptosis. Do you have a spelling? <coughs> yeah, yeah, here it goes again. A P O P T O S I S. Oh, let's see. Epeptosis. The death of cells which occurs as a normal and controlled part of an organism's growth or development. What is it in simple terms? It is a type of cell death in which a series of molecular steps in a cell lead to its death. This is one method the body uses to get rid of unneeded or abnormal cells. Apoptosis. Okay. Well, anyway, going on, um, the sentence that was in, I'll read that sentence again. Organs and tissue rapidly lose access to oxygen, while various chemicals and molecules initiate apoptosis, or programmed death at the cellular level. The system combines synthetic blood to carry oxygen, a drug cocktail to interrupt apoptosis, in a pumping machine to simulate circulation. Six hours after treatment, functions include heart muscle contraction and protein production in the liver were observed in roughly 100 subjects. Well, I'm thinking about my wife's passing recently, and that is, to some degree, what we went through. Um, but um, anyway, perhaps this process, she might have survived. Final paragraph on this topic, it says, Researchers cautioned the results were not clinically applicable, but may eventually help increase the number of organs available for transplant work builds on a 2019 experiment that revived electrical activity in deceased pigs' brains, raising a number of ethical questions in the process. All right, let's see here. Let's pull another story. Well, Al Zawari, right? There's a lot made about uh, his being killed. Yes. Um, a couple days ago. So this next item says Hellfire Missiles. Details on the strike that killed top Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawari emerged yesterday including reports that the United States had two R-9X Hellfire missiles in the attack. The 71-year-old Al-Zawari 
who helped plan the 9-11 attacks and assumed al-Qaeda's leadership after Osama bin Laden's death, was killed while on the balcony of his safe house over the weekend. Unlike other Hellfire models, the R-9X does not explode. Instead, it uses six rotating blades to kill its target. The missiles have reportedly been involved in other recent assassinations of extremist leaders. The U.S. allegedly studied al-Zahari's routine for months to confirm his identity and to ensure no one else was injured in the strike. Okay, so imagine a missile which basically has a rotating um, ornate, ornate blades or blades yep um, delivery it doesn't hit its target and explodes it hits its target with these rotating propellers I'll call them and it just uh, chops the hell out of you. That's pretty gross to think about, but um, it was effective. All right. Well, the attack is projected <coughs> to strain further U.S. relations, you figure? <coughs> yeah. With, with the Taliban, who vowed not to not safe harbor terrorist groups in Afghanistan in exchange for the U.S. withdrawal of its forces under the Doha Agreement. Well. Strained relations with, yeah, the Taliban and now China. It's such a nice world. It's such a pretty world today. Look at the sunshine. Isn't that the lyric of a song? It is. Just like the one you mentioned at the beginning of the program. It's a beautiful morning. Well, let's see here. Let's look at the New York Times a bit. The Kansas abortion vote and the congressional push on same-sex marriage show how progressives can confront the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has lately looked like the most powerful part of the federal government. With the final word on abortion, gun laws, climate policy, voting rights, and and more. But the founders did not intend for the court to have such a dominant role. They viewed the judiciary as merely one branch of government. They gave Congress and the president, as well as state governments, various ways to check the court's power and even undo the effects of rulings. Two big examples have emerged this summer following the court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. 
in Kansas. Residents voted overwhelmingly this week to keep abortion rights as part of their state's constitution. That's Kansas. And in Congress, uh, advocates for same-sex marriage are trying to pass a bill to protect it, worried that the court may soon restrict marriage rights as well. Well, these developments offer a reminder about the limits of the Supreme Court's power. Political progressives and moderates who are alarmed about the current court, the combination of its aggressiveness and the relative youth of its conservative members, have many options for confronting it. Some options are fairly radical, like changing the size of the court, or passing a law declaring any subject to be off-limits from the Supreme Court review, both of which, to be fair, have happened in previous centuries. Other options are more straightforward. They involve the basic tools of democratic politics, winning over public opinion and winning elections. Larry Kramer, who's a former dean of the Stanford Law School, argues that many progressives have made the mistake of paying relatively little attention to this strategy in recent decades. They have instead relied on courts to deliver victories for civil rights and other policies. That tactic worked under the liberal Supreme Court of the 1950s and 60s and even sometimes under the more conservative court of recent decades. But the current court, under the current court, it will no longer work. While the founders did not design the court to be final arbiter of American politics anyway, at the state level, progressives still have the ability to protect abortion rights, so long as they can persuade enough voters, as happened in Kansas this week. At the federal level, Congress has more authority to defy court decisions than many people realize. If you want a better government, you have to actively get yourself engaged in creating it. And that you do through democratic politics, if you want to be a democracy. That's what Kramer had to say in a recent podcast. He went on to say, you try and persuade, and if you do, the country follows you. Let's talk a little bit more about the same-sex marriage bill. It is so intriguing because it is a rare recent instance of Congress acting as a check and balance on the Supreme Court, just as founders envisioned and the Constitution allows. When the court overturns a specific law, Congress can often pass a new law written differently that 
that accomplishes many of the same goals. Congress took this approach with civil rights starting in the 1980s, including with the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Play Fair Pay Act back in 2009, which made it easier for workers to sue for pay discrimination. That law was an explicit response to a Supreme Court ruling against Ledbetter. More recently, however, Congress has been too polarized and gridlocked to respond to court decisions. As a result, the courts have tended to dominate federal policy by default. But after the court's abortion decision in June contained language that seemed as if it might threaten same-sex marriage rights, House Democrats quickly proposed a marriage bill that would defang any future court decision. The court could still issue a ruling allowing states to stop performing same-sex marriages, but the House bill would require one state to recognize another state's marriage. Two women or two men who married in, say, California would still be legally married in South Carolina even if they stopped performing same-sex weddings. Boy, it's complicated. Yes. And there's more in today's New York Times Morning Edition if, um, if you'd like to look it up. Let's see here. In politics, the Senate ratified adding Finland and Sweden to NATO. What was the vote? 95 to 1. Um, oh, mercy. Representative Jackie Walorski, who's 58, an Indiana Republican and two of her aides were killed in a car wreck yesterday. These are just sort of blurbs. Republicans have nominated 2020 election deniers to oversee voting in four swing states, that being Arizona, Michigan, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. See, even after uh, Biden was sworn in, John Eastman, an architect of the January 6th strategy, wanted to hunt for election fraud and get paid. What about some international points? China started military drills near Taiwan. They appear to be a trial run for sealing off the island. Here's another one. When home is on a ferry, some countries are paying shipping firms to offer Ukrainian refugees safe but tight quarters. You know, any day of the week, there are so many different things to to know about. Oh, yeah. All around the world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some people get overwhelmed by it. 
and so they start to pay a little bit less attention. We here, we have a responsibility to sort of mention them periodically. And if you want to dig in further, think of all the options options we have that we didn't have 20 years ago oh yes on the internet and you have to be careful what you're looking at some stuff is very biased by the writers or the yeah the writers some stuff is um, intentionally um, favoring this or that so it, it, it is a little more complex than having some editor or journalist go through all of this information and then write an article. But even in that case, they can take a side, can't they? Oh, yes. I recall Bob Bayett saying before he left, and I've mentioned this before, that the news anymore, according to Bob, seemed like it was an editorial and not reporting of the news. Bob should know with all of his experience in newscasting. Yep. He saw the change. We miss him. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, um, we're about out of time. We want you to have a wonderful day out there. I have an event tonight and going to have a good time. Take care. In our 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. A court in Russia is expected to issue a verdict today after WNBA star Brittany Griner pleaded for mercy in her drug possession trial. Correspondent Vicki Barker is at the foreign desk. The final words and closing arguments came from Brittany Griner herself. My parents taught me two important things. One, take ownership for your responsibilities. And two, to work hard for everything that you have. That's why I pled guilty to my charges. Griner always acknowledged she had cannabis vape canisters in her luggage. Her argument for leniency... I had no intent to break any Russian law. Russian prosecutors are demanding she serve nine and a half years.